live on the air. Folks, welcome to the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Court Sage Hart. I'm here with my other host, my man. That's AP over here, Cordo. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm excited. Now, for those that are watching again on video, they'll see that we've got a third tile bobbing up on the screen. Uh, we've got a very special guest joining us from Wagga Wagga in New South Wales. Puppy Penny, how are you? Good morning, afternoon, <laughs> wherever yeah. everyone is. I'm so used to saying good morning, even at like three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, well, we don't, we're pretty loose with uh, the publishing times and dates. So <laughs> as long as you cover off all the bases, it'll be fine. Morning, evening, afternoon, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> Now, uh, Poppy, thanks so much for joining us. We're really excited. We've reached out to you. You uh, kindly agreed to come on to our show. Get into my DMs. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a creep. We get it. (laughs) Yes, that that is fact. (laughs) (laughs) And now that I've finished uh, getting embarrassed and everybody uh, having their (laughs) confirmations of what they suspected of me confirmed. I got sun cream in my eye. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Um, but Poppy, like, thanks for coming on. Um, we really appreciate it. We thought you're a really interesting person that we could get onto the show and just unpack a little bit about where you're from, uh, how you got into what you got into. I'll let you explain that in a moment. Uh, but also because you're a diehard Fremantle fan, so could shamelessly manipulate the airwaves oh, yeah. to put more purple, uh, power content out there into the world. <laughs> There's nowhere near enough of it. Yeah. So I feel privileged that I've got 70% of the Fremantle supporter base on one like chat particularly the east coast um frio supporter base is pretty much us and like i have one or two other friends that i've kind of conned into it yeah i held the uh the Fremantle supporters annual gm at a pub in melbourne and just one old folk uh, guy showed up just because he was lonely and saw an opportunity well, to meet people the good thing for us is that we can still hold a Fremantle supporters gathering even in covid times yeah because <laughs> you can still be socially distant yeah <laughs> I held a mirror up the other day and doubled my attendance record. <laughs> um, but look, Poppy, first things first, uh, you're a fellow WA person. Super Correct. Exciting, but I'll let you explain your background and how you got into your awesome job. So um, I obviously grew up in Perth in WA and um, like most people I guess had no idea what I wanted to do with my life um and so went to uni and like every 19 year old girl studied psychology um and I got one semester in and decided that I didn't like stats and so I quit before I had to do any stats units and um I ended up doing communications at UWA and was like eh didn't love it took a gap year became a nanny um and then had no idea what I really wanted to do really wanted to work in sport something like I'm not talented enough to be an athlete, so we ruled that out pretty early on. And then I wanted, I thought, oh, maybe I'll get into broadcasting. And then I went to um, ECU Whopper and did a, a broadcasting one-year grad dip in broadcast journalism and just absolutely loved it. Finished that and then kind of thought, oh, now I have to get a job. Um, and so I applied everywhere and I ended up getting a job in um the mining town of Kalgoorlie and everyone in WA will know about Kalgoorlie. It is literally a a hole in the ground. It's the biggest hole um, in the Southern Hemisphere, in fact, and the town is built around that hole, basically. Everything is gold-themed. It's a gold mining town. Um, The best part about Kalgoorlie is that Esperance is only four hours south. So um, we spent a lot of time down south um, in Esperance. But um, I spent like 18 months in Kalgoorlie and going from living 
in a city and I grew up in Leaderville, which for anyone that's from Perth is like really close to the city, like 15 minutes from the beach, coffee shop sort of on the corner, you know, like Leaderville is a nice part of town where everything is really accessible to going to living basically six and a half hours due east of Perth where like we didn't have a Zambreros, we didn't have Maya, it was kind of like Kmart and target country which was like I'd never set foot in a target country in my life so it was um it was an interesting ordeal like I had no idea what I was doing it was also my first job I was presenting um the morning show which ran from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock and I was like 23 and they were like cool come on in and I was kind of given the impression that I'd have like three or so weeks to get my feet before I was on air anyway they came in gave me a one-week crash course and they're like cool so you're on air from Monday and I was like huh am I? Great. So I was, I did a show by myself for, you know, it was, it was only an hour, but by yourself for an hour when you're 23 and have only just graduated is a really daunting place to be because you are talking to yourself for an hour and it's a really scary, it's a really scary thing to do. And so I kind of, you know, I, I did it and I did it for probably, I think ended up being 16 or 17 months and my contract ran out. And then, um, I had a really kind of daunting time where I didn't have a job because I was I my contract finished and I just didn't have anything lined up to go to because I was almost under the impression that I'd reapplied for the job and they'd given it to somebody else and they didn't tell me and then I sort of had a month to basically find something else and I just couldn't it's a really it's a really tough industry to start with and so I kind of had this period of I think about six weeks where I didn't have a job I didn't know what I was doing And then I applied for a job over on the East Coast in another town that I'd never been to, which is becoming a pattern in my life. Um, And um, that's how I ended up here in Wagga Wagga. Um, I'd never been here. The only thing I'd ever heard about Wagga is that it's so nice they named it twice, um, which is like the ongoing thing of Wagga. And there's a whole um, Wagga Wagga means the place of many crows. There is actually not that many crows here. Like I kind of expected it to be like crows everywhere. And I reckon I've seen like 15 and I moved here over a year ago. It's just not that many. And so I moved here in August last year and um, basically packed up my little hatchback and put it on a truck and went, okay, off to the off to the East Coast. And I've never lived on the East Coast before and I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never been to Wagga. I'd never even really, I've been to Sydney a couple of times, but that's pretty much it. I've got family in Melbourne, um, down in Victoria. And, um, I have, that's pretty much the only family I've got over here. And, um, so I'm kind of just moved and went, all right, on my own. So packed up and yeah, came here and I've absolutely loved it. So originally I was on a nine month contract over here, which was kind of scary given that my previous job was a limited contract and then it came to the end and then I ended up kind of out on my ass. And so I took this nine month contract and just thought, I'm just going to have to make it work. Finished, I was sort of coming to the end of my nine months and I was sitting down with my boss going, can you guys help me? And they had said that they would. They'd said that they'd help me at the end of the nine months to keep me in the business and keep me within the SCA circles. Um, And so Triple M kind of went, right, we'll make it work. And then um, I ended up getting a full-time contract um, doing the same job that I'm doing. So I do the breakfast show over here with a guy named Lee who um, is unfortunately a GWS fan. Um, so last year was pretty smug up until the end of the year. And then I was pretty smug for a little bit there. <laughs> he legit, so he's a legit GWS. Yeah. Like he went to the grand final, which was really funny. 
So he hasn't like got on board late, like he hasn't done a change. It's like I'm now following AFL and this is who I go for. Nah, he, yeah, he kind of didn't really have a team. His wife's a Collingwood fan, um, so she's pretty gutted at the moment. Um, his wife's a Collingwood fan and he kind of just followed, like loves AFL and just followed AFL, never really had a team. And then the Giants came in and the Giants catchment area is the Riverina. So I don't know if you guys remember a couple of years ago, Eddie Maguire went on and on and on about the Riverina Football Factory and how all the talent comes from here. Mm. Um, It's true. Like there's some good footy players here. And so when the Riverina became part of the Giants catchment, Lee just kind of went, oh, I'll jump on board. And so we've got a lot of local boys and they almost all play for GWS and they're almost all called Harry. There's Harry Cunningham, Harry Himmelberg and Harry Perryman and they're all from like within an hour of here. Gee whiz. Basically. So good. They used it twice or three times. Exactly. If you want to have a kid, if you have a kid in the Riverina, call it Harry. It will be an AFL player. That's pretty much what I've learned in my like 15 months in Walker. It does feel like it's a name that it's either an old World War One veteran or a hard <laughs> a hard unit country kid. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, it's got to be a yeah, country kid for sure. Yeah. So I guess the, the thing we were curious about is what's it like being a broadcaster during the last six to 12, or sorry, six to eight months with COVID? Because I suspect, you know, that kind of ends up being the topic of the day, right? Well, yeah. And earlier in the year, we were really um, hard hit by the bushfires um, over the yeah. summer as well. So we actually had a bit of an interesting time where we'd all gone off on holiday. And um, I was in WA and my co-host was on Christmas break with his family. And um, like he and my content director spent New Year's Eve here in the studios, um, like sleeping on an air mattress because they were broadcasting New Year's Eve and New Year's Day were two of the worst days that we had. And they evacuated entire towns like within 80 minutes of where we are. Um, You know, everything was blanketed in smoke. It was really it was really bad. And so we were doing 24-hour shifts live on air, which was really intense. Um, And so then I came back early from my holiday in Perth from Christmas and I was doing a lot of social media from over in Perth, which is hard because there's a time difference. And also I'd only been here a couple of months by then and I was still getting my head around where everything was in relation to Wagga. So like I'd kind of got my head around Wagga, but then there's, you know, a random random town that I don't know of but they've been evacuated and I'm trying to work out whether that's in our catchment area or or what so I had no real idea and then um it was it was really intense and then we kind of backed off from the bushfires and thought gee thank god and then we kind of hit um COVID and we we remember talking about COVID early on in um like when it started going god this sounds really bad it's over in China and um I, uh, you know, we didn't really know that it would come here and then it came here and we thought, oh God, there's a few people here with it. And then it kind of ramped up and we were deemed an essential service, um, which we always kind of laugh about because of some of the stupid shit we do on this show. And we're <laughs> like, I don't know that we're in it. Like on one, we do, you know, like essential worker on one day, it was national burrito day. And I bought a blanket that looked like a burrito and lay on the floor dressed as a burrito. I'm an essential worker. It's like me, the nurses, the teachers, the doctors, like all in the same basket pretty much. So it was kind of a really weird time, but also we were being encouraged to do stuff like that so that everything wasn't really COVID heavy, Um, especially when it was quite intense in New South Wales and we had um, the Ruby Princess debacle and some of those people had managed to make their way into the Riverina. And so we kind of, we were a bit, you know, we were encouraged to be, 
happy and upbeat and yeah we obviously had to cover it it was the news of the day but we also were being told don't don't talk about COVID all the time um talk about other stuff try and make it fun and try and bring other things into the show and so it was a really weird time to be in broadcasting and the other thing was we are used to operating across a desk from each other where you can see the other person we got split up so we took um a bunch of like our broadcasting gear one of us we would do one week on one week off and one would broadcast from home and one would broadcast from the studio and then um on the weekends the cleaners would come in and do a deep clean of the studio and then we would swap so it was pretty it was a really weird time and it's it's really hard to do a live radio show when there's about a half a second delay between you and the other person and like we could see each other on Skype but that's a little bit delayed and so you know, you're trying to do, you try to tell a story and you kind of hit the punchline and there's like a half second delay before the other person laughs and it's just really uncomfortable and no one else would notice it except us. Like, and you know, a listener doesn't really think about it, but we're going, oh, that sounds really terrible. And so it's really hard to get into the groove of a show because you're trying to have a really good time and you're like, "Hmm, no one's really laughing. And so it was, it was a really weird time, but we kind of, we had it highlighted to us by a couple of listeners who, A, during the bushfires were dropping in food and we had all this stuff dropped into us because people were like, you guys are doing a great job. And same with COVID is that when we meet people out and about, they're like, you know, it's really nice to be able to listen and have something else to think about and something else to talk about because it is so COVID heavy in the news. And I'm over it. And I think everyone else is kind of over it too. Like I know it's still really dominant, but it it can't dominate in the words of Donald Trump. Don't let it dominate your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah the wisest thing you said. Yeah. <laughs> Except for if you've got COVID, then let it dominate your life and don't go anywhere. But you know, apart from that, it's been a really, it has been a really interesting time to work in this industry. And also we've seen a lot of awful staff cuts and stuff like that. We've seen across the media industry in a time where, news has never been more important. There are people that are working in the news and working in broadcasting who are losing their jobs because it's becoming such a fast news cycle that if you can't turn it out fast enough, people aren't waiting for the five o'clock news anymore. It's online. And so a lot of TV stuff and a lot of, even a lot of radio stuff is, it's not because it's not as, you know, TV news isn't as relevant because if it's not on, you know, it'll be on ABC News 24, 24 hours a day if it's important you know and it's yeah it's been a really interesting time it's it's been fun and being an essential worker has been a bit of a um it's something that I never thought when I went into like presenting I was like this all uh, I'm gone in some we are not an essential worker but apparently we are essential service <laughs> <laughs> yeah look it's um like that whole thing I mean I'll, I'll premise and just say any, anyone talking about burritos, I think is essential because <laughs> yeah, I am I think so. pro burritos. So. Is there anything better? So, so look, I'm probably going to steal that and I'm going to lobby to Courtney to let me talk about burritos on a, on a segment. Do it. <laughs> specifically. Yeah. Do it. Uh, I'm all in. We need to add some more food into the mix of our show. I'm- yeah. I don't know if we've got much uh, outside of that one, that one joke that we'll be able to do burritos on them, but, but yeah, we'll see where we go. <laughs> So then just quickly, what's the best part of your job? If you were to, if someone comes up to you and says, quickly, what's the best part of your job? What do you think it is? Connecting with people that I would never meet and will never connect with. And I 
you know, we connect with people on a daily basis that I have never met and probably will never meet. And I think that's that's the best part of the job is, you know, talking to thousands of people of a morning and, you know, know that people are in their car listening along or laughing at whatever stupid stuff we're saying. And like that, that's really, that's the best part. People like when you meet them, they're like, oh, I remember when you did this or, you know, I, when I moved here, they gave me an NRL team. And when I meet people, they still give me stick because I chose the Melbourne Storm. And so, um, yeah, no, it's because it was well, because of the color purple. It kind of fits. Yeah. Um, Exactly. So I, um, you know, so like stuff like that, meeting people and having them remember things about you and, and that kind of thing, it makes getting up at four in the morning worth it. Um, sometimes, <laughs> but four in the morning, four in the morning. So shift starts at five and I'm, I am slow to go in the morning. So I have to set my alarm for four so I can lay in bed till four thirty. <laughs> dreaming about how I'd rather be back asleep again. I think, um, yeah, that, when we were speaking, I remember I was talking to you and it was fairly early in the evening. We were like, yeah, I'll, I'm just going to head off to bed. I'll I'll talk to you tomorrow or something about this. And I remember going, no photo, she doesn't look 80. <laughs> I am like a, I, I realized. I am like a nana. I eat dinner at like 6 o'clock. And now that daylight saving has come in, I'm eating dinner in the middle of the afternoon essentially. And I'm off to bed by like 8 o'clock or like 9 o'clock. I, I need to be in bed by 9. Um, and it's, I'm old, like I'm an old lady. Like I'm in my mid twenties, but up here, I'm an old lady. (laughs) My body creeps and cracks in the morning. (laughs) You sort of like peering out blinds at neighbors. If they make just slightly too much noise, putting the bin out at quarter past. It's like seven 30. And I'm like, how could you possibly still be mowing your lawn? (laughs) Some of us are trying to sleep. (laughs) While you eat your dinner as school kids are coming home. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I guess uh, the second thing we we wanted to talk about, potentially the most important thing, you are a Fremantle Dockers fan. I am a Fremantle Dockers fan. Three things in life this year have probably stressed you out. Bushfires, COVID, and being a Fremantle fan, which is an eternal strain. It's exhausting. I think I am going to be grey 10 years earlier than I would would have been if I'd been like a West Coast fan. Um, But... And, but unfortunately, you can't you can't choose these things. Like you, yeah. you can't choose these things. My my mum's a Dockers fan. My dad's a Dockers fan. My grandparents are Dockers fans. We're all members. I'm still a member. I paid eight hundred dollars this year to not go to a game of football because yeah, we've got really good seats, and I refuse to give them up. I've been in Melbourne, I think, seven years, and I've been a member the whole time. Yeah. And I I go to watch them at Eddie Had, and I paid yeah. money to get the ticket. <laughs> Sorry, Marvel yeah. Stadium, whatever its name is this year. Yeah, it could. It'll be different next year. It'll be COVID Stadium or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cobweb Stadium. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's a rough but, life though. Yeah. yeah, well, look, I mean, AV's an Essendon fan, so it's quite. I'm enjoying just sitting back and crossing my arms and watching the press just go to town on your football. Just club. to mix it up. Just, you know, <laughs> just, just something different. Everyone goes after yeah, Essendon. Essendon don't, Essendon don't make headlines, so it's nice to see them there. You know. Normally, like page six, we just have like a we just own that page. <laughs> yeah, apart from that dark period where it was <laughs> six months of page, page one, every page, front page, back page, the a whole lot. Just changed their name to the Essendon Daily, and that was just it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do have two Freo supporters, I'm gonna lob. I'm gonna see if I can get between the two of you, but. <laughs> 
Ross Lyon. Ooh, I'm glad he's gone. Yeah, you're glad he's gone. Yeah, I'm ha- glad he's gone. Were you ever happy that you got him? Oh, in 2013, I was pretty stoked. Um, and in 2015, when we won the minor premiership, I was pretty stoked. And then watching the way he burnt our players out in 16, in the years following that, and he, I found he he didn't give young kids enough of a go. He didn't have faith in in kids that maybe came in and showed a bit but had some skill errors. Like players like Freddie, who we saw this year come out, um, I don't. I think Ross would have given him one game, and he would have made he made a couple of of errors in that first game, and. Ross would have gone right, put a line through him for next week. Whereas J Lo went, no, no, you're right. Just go back, go back out there and play your game, and you'll be fine. And the next week, he got a game, and he was much better. And I think Ross doesn't put, didn't put enough faith in those, in those fringe players. They never got a chance to break into the team. They never got an opportunity. And I, I think he, he's the kind of man who can come in and take a team that's already good and, and keep them good for a period. But that burnout period, we had injury after injury. We had players who were just tired and yeah, I'm, I was glad we got him because it seemed like a big coup at the time. He'd come off this really successful St Kilda era, but then look at the way he left them. And then he kind of did the same thing to us and decimated a a really, what was a very talented list. Um, and yeah, he picked up some good players in the draft, but that's not on him. That's on our recruiting team. And he, I just, yeah, I'm glad he's gone. It was exciting to have him for that period, but I think he ruined, he ruined a few players, I think, that he shouldn't have ruined, that they should have had great careers with us. So if he wins a flag though, is all of that in the wash? Because the, that's all he's there for. Let's be honest. Ross Lyon is a, he's a, gets you that last five or 10%. Like he got, vi- like, let's be fair, a bounce of the ball for Stephen Milne and St. Kilda pretty much win that. Like oh, that's, yeah. That's like one of the most – got a couple of mates who are Saints supporters and they're very shat. Like you can't get any more unlucky than that. But if Ross wins one at Frio, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter that you burn out your list and that kind of stuff because you've got one flag. Nah. Uh, I mean, uh, yes, like it would have been great at the time. It would have been – 2013 would have been the best year of my life. Um, but – I think you look at teams, you know, like you look at the Western Bulldogs who won that flag and then completely dropped off the cliff. I don't, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want that. Like, yeah, 2013 would be great, but then you've got all that pressure of like the two or three years after that. And if you can't live up to that, then the flag is almost tainted a little bit because they're like, they did all this for one flag and that was it. Whereas then you look at Hawthorne in obviously 13, 14, 15, and they had this sustained success. And yeah, they're, you know, they're a bit rubbish this year and a bit rubbish last year. They sort of dropped off the cliff. But this is five years after a flag, after a dynasty of three flags. And they've dropped off the cliff, of course, but that's because the players that won those flags for them are old now. Like, you know, they're not, they're not at their peak of their career. They're five years on. I think one flag is great, but is it worth it to burn out your entire list and be rubbish for five years? I just don't know. Like, I would rather, I'd rather have build up a great team and stay in that top four for five or six years. Like annoyingly, look at West Coast. It's annoying. But they've been they've had a, a period of sustained, sustained success and they haven't dropped off the cliff and they won a flag. I mean, it's nice to see them out of the finals this year, but like, you know, it's still annoying. Is it grading that whenever a free agent basically goes, I want to go back home to Perth, it's never to Frio? <laughs> we had a couple. Jesse Hogan wanted to come to Frio and he's, you know, had foot injury after foot injury. And so that's been really great. And Rory Lobb came and developed a stutter. So, you know, some players want to come. 
You could have got Tim Kelly. He <laughs> would have worked out well. Although he wasn't that. I mean, he was like good at West Coast, but he wasn't what they paid for him. Oh, look, I'll be fair. Ten touches last week. I am just throwing out <laughs> Barb's. I, I was. I never thought Tim Kelly was gonna be, you know, as good as what they were sort of predicting. I don't. Tim Kelly would have been great, but I don't reckon he would have fit that nicely into our midfield. We're cool. Not three first round draft picks, great either. No, West Coast won't be going back to the draft till like twenty thirty. COVID will be gone by the time West Coast get back to the draft. <laughs> I I think there's an interesting correlation between Rossline and John Worsfold and the impacts they've had on both clubs. So oh, Rossline yeah. comes in, brings a bit of, I'll say, legitimacy to Frio because it's right. Like, you know, we had Mark Harvey was a bit of a name. We've had we had no-name coaches before that. Mm. Rossline comes in, gives us a bit of snarl, a bit of teeth in front of the press, we, you know, takes a very B-grade list to sort of success because mm. it was never a deep team. But by the time he's left, he's burnt the playing staff, uh, sorry, the players out, the staff, the culture seems a mess, and you've got big-name players wanting to leave. Mm -hmm. Usha came in during the saga. It appeared to me like he was the right personality, stabilised, got it together, got you through it. But now by the time he's left, that old methodology has just torched the earth and you've got big-name players wanting to leave. Oh, there you go, Aaron. I'm throwing it back. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, good. This, I like that. this isn't about me. No, I, yeah. I don't want to double too much into Bombers, but we just change our game plan every two years. That's our plan. <laughs> <laughs> we just adapt, we, we adapt by, and then you got to give the players time to get used to the new system. And then they um, get used to it and you just change it again. So that's yeah. why every week it's like, what are we going to do this week? We'll, we'll find out. And oh, it turns out it was just losing, losing more power <laughs> than the week before. Poppy, we've talked about uh, like the beauty of being a sports fan, and I, I've got to ask you this: What is your favourite Fremantle memory? It can be insignificant, big. I've got two. Yeah. One is in 2013. I was at Subi Oval for the game against Sydney. Yeah. Um, that prelim final, and it was it was incredible. So I go to the footy with my dad in WA. Um, we decided years and years ago that. I would, that we become members together because my mum goes with my grandparents. My mum and I aren't allowed to sit together because we're both too obnoxious and we have been told off <laughs> many times. My family will not sit with us both. Um, so we've been separated. Um, so I go to the footy with my dad and my mum goes to the footy with my grandparents. And so um, me and dad decided, right, we're going to be members because the whole thing would be one day I'll move out of home and live away and then he and I will get back together every fortnight to go to the footy. And it worked out really nicely. I moved to Kalgoorlie and I used to drive back every second week for the footy if it sort of worked out. Um, if it was a Saturday game, then I could get there or sometimes Friday. But anyway, so we kind of, it was really great. And we decided we were going to that prelim together and we sat sort of just on the 50 metre arc um, at the cheer squad end of Subi Oval. And with about two minutes to go, the cheer squad started chanting MCG. And that was probably one of the greatest moments I've ever had, sporting or not. Having a Subi Oval uh, chanting MCG for the Dockers going to the grand final, that was to die for. It was like we, my dad was crying, I was crying. We hugged everyone. It was not COVID safe. We hugged everyone around us from where we were to the train station to the pub in Subi where we went for a beer afterwards to the pub near our house where we went for another beer afterwards so I could give it to my boss who was a Hawthorne fan. I was like, we're coming for you. I was feeling a bit stupid the next week. But we it, that was probably one of them. And then the second one was also at Subi Oval. Um, we used to sit right in the front row next to the um, interchange benches 
And it was Pav's last game. We were pretty rubbish all year and um, he, you know, he played a great game and everyone was sort of getting a bit emotional. And But when the siren went, he was directly in front of us, sort of 10 metres in from the boundary line, and you could feel the relief rush out of his body when it was all over. Like he was tired, the poor man. But that has been, like being able to see his face when that siren went, was that was really special. So they were probably my two my two big Frio moments, um, both at Subi Oval. <laughs> the new stadium's great, but the big ones happened at, at Subi. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Those uh that that, that ground that, those games. Yeah, yeah. They they were really special. Like they're just really special, really special games. And and that's the thing I love about Frio fans is we don't have a lot to celebrate, but like those ones, <laughs> they were pretty good. <laughs> What about you, Cordo? Oh, look, uh, so, yeah, I mean, the 2013 run was amazing. My favourite memory, kind of similar story. So I've been a member with my mum since yeah. day dot and been going to the footy with my mum. That's like our thing. Yeah. Mother-son time, go to the footy. Many a time I've sat there aghast having to tell my mum to keep her voice down, keep her opinions on opposition players to herself. <laughs> <laughs> Some of her friends, she's probably listening in too. She knows who she is. She's a bit <laughs> lippy and mouthy as well. A lot of a lot of very personal feedback towards the opposition fans. Yeah, my um, my mother yeah. my mother is similar. Yeah, <laughs> it's a mum thing. She um, got herself in a lot of trouble on one occasion, yeah. and I won't tell the story because she will kill me. Um, but yeah. she did nearly have her membership suspended. Oh wow, Ooh. that's alter ego stuff. My mum's this like quaint, gentle yeah. lady. Goes <laughs> to the footy, and she turns into this like feral animal that I sort of have to. I'm sit there on the chair, and I end up going like. <laughs> leaning away from that, yeah. going security, but um, yeah, my mum's five, yeah. my mum's five foot one. It's a similar yeah. story. That's awesome. We we um, twenty thirteen. My mum flew to Melbourne, and we actually got a train out to Geelong and went to the Emirate. Oh. Geelong, and that was just ultimate trenches game all week it had been the nonsense about where it was being played oh. Geelong and the AFL were jipping Fremantle fans with the ticket allocations we got on a train and it was just hostile from the second we got on the train in Melbourne Geelong fans everywhere <laughs> we get to the stadium just the like sheer disdain they had even looking at us yeah some fan bases are just kind of like hey Frio whatever we're quite an inoffensive team yeah Geelong crowd was heated and we were wow. in this little little pocket right near the 50, watch Stephen Hill get that ball and oh. just blow down the wing and kick the goal. And I can remember all game they'd hurled abuse at us, at my mum too, waving scarves in our faces when they were up. And I can remember just standing up and putting my arms out like Jesus <laughs> and turning around and facing the whole massive horde of Geelong fans. <laughs> And just smugly grinning and closing my eyes <laughs> and, just, and just going, silence is golden, baby, at the top of my voice. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was that was the best. And just like, again, hugging my mum. We have this photo of us. It's our favourite photo. So that whole afternoon just, and that's the beauty of sport. Like supporting Frio is one thing, but, you know, we, Aaron and I had talked about this a few weeks back. Like what is it about sport that just makes you, invest your loyalty into a group that will constantly let you down. It's like a bad stock that you keep buying more of. Oh, it's madness, isn't it? I have yeah. I have no idea what it is, but it's it's not just footy either. Like it's just all sport. I think it's that 
for for us, like especially going to the footy, it was um, it's the like meeting people that you would never meet. So like me and my dad um at Subi sat next to this family um. And we called her my footy mum because she would come every week. If it was raining, she'd bring me a poncho. She'd bring me things to clean my glasses with. They'd bring snacks for us, like little snack packs and stuff like that. So she became my footy mum. She saved in my phone a Sandy footy mum. And so um, when we moved stadiums, and, like, they're people we would never have met. We only met them because we sat next to them at the footy. And when we moved stadiums, we all moved our seats together. So we all still sit together um, at the new stadium. And so they're people, like, they came to my dad's 50th a couple of years ago. They came to my 21st birthday and like they're just people that we've become really, really close with and we would never have and we just share this one thing. Like we're from very different walks of life to these people and we share this one common thing that brings us all together and we all have long lunches together and we all, you know, get together and drink and go to the beach and and do all those things that you do with the people that you love but we would never have met these people and I think that that idea that you know like you say you're hugging all these random people at the footy and people you never know and you'll probably never see them again but you all share this one big thing and I reckon at the footy it's encapsulated in the moment where the whole crowd yells the word ball and (laughs) when everyone has you know everyone has one agenda at the footy it's for their team to win and you know when you're at a home game and you're hot and you're and the whole you know you got 60,000 people at Optus screaming ball in what other scenario would 60,000 people scream the same word apart from at like a rock concert? You know what I mean? And I think that getting that many people to do one thing at one time without any, you know, without any prompting or anything like that, I think that is, that's what makes sport really special is it brings all these people in it that everyone has one commonality and it's to get your team over the line. And if that means you lose your voice and get kicked out of the stadium, then you lose your voice and get kicked out of the stadium. Have you ever been kicked out, AP? No. I get, I sometimes get a bit too lippy when I go on big rants. <laughs> <laughs> I get a, get a lot of looks for some, you know, some clever. One of my mates actually, um, he's one of the all time best, best at uh, sledging. He even sledges their own players. So <laughs> you got to be fair and balanced. Yeah. So I won't steal any of his lines, but I have borrowed them and they're great. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it always works out well. I, I know why Courtney asked this because I told him this story the other week um, when I went to watch. Um, it was we were talking about last year, and uh, I went to Essendon, Melbourne, um, and was hurling abuse at Hibbard, who we just traded uh, at the time. And I got a lot of. I was actually lucky enough to be in the um, the MCC on a guest pass, which mm-hmm. effectively is all Melbourne supporters anyway. So yeah. very quickly got a whole bunch of looks from the entire pseudo Melbourne uh, cheer squad who. You know, overturned their nice cheeses and dips, and we're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> threw a ski at you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, or you've just got to. It's just part of it. Yeah, there's no point going to the footy unless you're going to really enjoy yourself. Exactly. There's an unwritten loyalty when you, I love it an away game where you you see someone in your same colours. Yeah. You don't speak, but there's like a if a fight breaks out, I got your back. Yeah, we've um the amount of times we've been like me and me and my girls are like um blokes, the girls that I'm friends with back in Perth. Instead of going to Melbourne for like a shopping trip, we're like, right, I'm gonna go to Melbourne for a footy trip. How can we plan it so we can get a game in every day? So we like we plan our trips around sport. Me and my friend flew to Melbourne for the Cricket World Cup a couple of years ago as well, like a few years ago. It was great. We just we just do sporting holidays. So 
um, we you go across and the amount of times we've all gotten our Dockers gear and um, one of the, one of the girls is an eagle, but we force her in. We force her. We only go because there's more of us than there is of them. We force her to go on a weekend where the Dockers are playing in Melbourne and obviously the Eagles aren't, which is great. Yeah. Um, so we will always meet up with a bunch of Dockers supporters and be like, let's go to the pub and we'll all end up partying with them all night. So like just that unwritten like, hey, we're the same, like. Yeah. You know, bringing together a bunch of people that would never have met or never have become mates or anything like that. I think it's that's what makes sport good. Yeah, amen. All right, AP, I'll let you go. We've got a one segment to get through. It's our favorite thing. We get all our guests to do it. I'm gonna let AP steer this. He loves this. I think you came up with this. Yeah, I'm claiming that so I you did. can own this. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I think you came up with it. No, I mean, I was just talking, I was just reliving different parts of my sporting youth and then we thought we could use it for a, for a podcast. <laughs> uh, but look, so again, we'll recap on it, which is we're going to ask Poppy her greatest championship moment. Uh, we're going to go through all different tidbits uh, around the event, the lead up, the competition, uh, the documentary always features heavily. Again, we also just watched The Last Dance, so that also helps while we're talking about documentaries. But look, I won't take yeah. any more away from it, but Poppy, what is your championship moment? My championship moment happens in Formula One. I oh. am a big F1 fan. Uh, like all Australians, I'm a big Dan Ricciardo fan. But my uh, F, my big sporting moment happens in F1. I'm the first female driver to race in um, or to win, to win points in a race. Um, the only ever female driver, she won 0.5 points in a race. Um, she's the only one to have ever uh, got any points. So I would like to be the first female driver to win an F1. And um, it happens with Racing Point, who use a Mercedes engine. Yeah. I was going to go, it could have been easy, could have gone with one of the big teams like Ferrari or Mercedes, but not into them. Um, i not a Red Bull fan since they got rid of Dan and I don't like Max Verstappen, so he, they, can, they can go. Um, but I like Racing Point. They use a good Mercedes engine. They're a little bit of an underdog. I thought about racing with Williams, but since Claire Williams is no longer at the head, they sold the family business, and so I've gone with Racing Point as my uh, as my team. Plus, they're pink, and I'm the I'm the first girl to win. You know, it's a bit stereotype. I don't really like pink very much, but you know, it kind of fits the narrative. That's a sharp looking car. I like their color. <laughs> they are a sharp looking car, but the, the mo- so my first race is in Australia, of course, because that's where the um, Grand Prix always kicks off. But I don't. I didn't do very well in Australia, but the big one comes in Monaco. It's my favourite track of them all because nice. they've got the tunnel in Monaco. And you come out of the tunnel and you're right next to the harbour and you sort of weave your way through the chicanes and then the big hairpin um, to get round to the straight. So that that's my that's my sporting moment. And the the, the win in Monaco is really special. I qualify in ninth, um, yeah. which means a lot of overtaking, which is hard to do. There's a lot of straights on the Monaco track and not a lot of um, corners. Um, so it makes overtaking a little bit tricky, but... I managed to get up into second with three laps to go. I'm a second and a half behind. Um, Managing my tyres, front tyres are pretty much shot. I've gone the soft tyres. I've probably pushed them two or three laps too far. We pitted early, trying to undercut the leaders. It didn't work. So my team's on the radio going, you've got to manage your tyres. Just finish finish second. It'll be, you know, that's great. Just manage your tyres. Hold off the the guy in third. Um, I don't listen, obviously. Bit stubborn. Yeah, we love this is it. I'm chasing down. And the tricky thing is I'm chasing down another Mercedes car. So they've got the same engine in their car as me. So that's tough. Um, obviously, if I was chasing down a Renault engine, it'd break down with a lap to go and I'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> Happy days. So I'm 
I've got three laps to go, a second and a half behind, and I start making up ground. With a lap to go, I'm only about half a second behind, and the team is like, just don't, you'll crash. Like, we're going to lose it. Just finish second. A podium is great. It would have been my, it's my first podium, and I'm just absolutely nothing. We go into the tunnel, and I'm about 0.2 behind. The tunnel is, for those who don't know the Monaco track, the tunnel kind of sweeps around. There's there's a uh, turn, there you hit the chicane, you hit the hairpin around the bend, and then you're up the straight to the finish. I go into the tunnel point two of a second behind. I come out of the tunnel neck and neck, hit the chicane and edge in front of the Mercedes. So at this point I'm in front and the team's like screaming at me, just like, take it easy, take it easy. I push, 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 push. Just before the finish line, I blow a back tire, but I make it across the line anyway. And I have to sort of coast to a stop so that all the other cars don't hit me on their way out. And um, I need to be pushed into the pit. I kind of had to sort of roll into the pit to roll into the first, um, the first position. That's my greatest sporting moment. That's awesome. Yeah, love it. <laughs> the most important thing about all that is what music is blasting while that footage occurs. Well, I had my, my probably I think my like pre pre one before the race is "Are You Going to Be My Girl" by Jet. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, first female driver. I just thought pretty appropriate. Second, the the post game, the post race music. I wouldn't have a choice over it. It'd be the TV crew, and it would either be, and I just know this, it would either be Great Southern Land or Land Down Under. <laughs> it would have to be like there'd just be no choice, or like something from Cold Chisel. Yeah. Or maybe if I could choose, just for a bit of a tie-in, maybe TNT by Akadaka. It's Australian, and also the TNT with Frio. They're like yeah. tie-in. They play that a bit when Frio win, which is never, but so occasionally they play that. So I probably that's where I probably would have to do an Aussie musician, I think. Um, if it was up to me, it'd be probably something by like Gang of Youths. I'm quite into the Gang of Youths at the moment. So probably, but if it was going to be chosen by the TV people, it would be like Land Down Under or Great Southern Land for sure. Akadaka also is that weird one too. I know Courts and I talked about it, but everyone forgets that they're Australian. So it'd probably work out well oh. in the international scene because you'd be like, oh, you play this band. And they're like, yeah, you love them. And it's like, yeah, oh, they're Australian. Wait, no, no, yeah, you got me. <laughs> you had me there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that'd be, I think that they'd be my, my music for sure. <laughs> so you've won absolute scenes. In a few years down the track, we start going through the documentary. What is the name of your documentary? And the scene. I have, I've struggled so hard with the with the documentary. I've come up with all the other stuff about it. Like it would be um, narrated by Martin Brundle, who's oh, nice. the, the voice of F1. He's when, you know, like when the lights go out, he's like, the lights out at Silverstone. Like that's him. He's there. Like he's the voice of F1 at the moment. He, he wasn't for a long time, but for my generation, him and Crofty, David Croft, would probably narrate bits of it. There'd obviously be lots of Dan Ricardo. It'd be Dan Ricardo heavy throughout the documentary, just him sort of commenting on how great I am, which would be really <laughs> nice. Um, if Dan could do that in regular life too, that would be great. But um, I'd take it for my F1 career. So, but lots of, you know, like lots of the, the drivers now sort of looking back being like, oof, you know, would have hated to race against her and like, you know, can we get, can we like compare the engines, look at the cars she was driving, you know, like they do with Farlap and Maccabi Diva and Wings, like who would win? So a bit of like a bit of that would be would be really interesting. But the name I've really struggled with. Like I've spent I walked to the studio this morning. For, it was like a forty minute walk, and I spent the whole walk trying to think of a name. And I I just can't. I just it'd be something like it'd be something like the girl from Down Under. But then that kind of is a bit weird. So like 
Yeah, the name, I, uh, I don't know. The- I can't, I can't, I can't think of a name, but I, I know exactly how the rest of it would play out though. There'd be this like, it'd be this sort of like, not rags to riches sort of story, but like me trying to get into, to racing as a girl and like really struggling to get into like go-karting because go-karting sort of how you get into it. And then finding a team that would actually take me on and then hitting the world circuit of racing in Formula 3 and Formula 2 and sort of making a bit of a name for myself for getting in the points as a girl. And then what what would happen for me to get into Racing Point as one of the drivers would either um, be relegated or get kind of, you know, maybe hurt themselves or something. I hope they don't. But, you know, like would sort of, they'd be sort of, we need someone to step up into the team for this, for the yeah. 2030 season or whatever. And I'd be like, right, I'll do it. And then in I come. And that'd be, and there'd sort of be this big, like glorious moment where like there's finally a woman back in F1 and it'd be this like legacy moment of like get girls back into F1, girls can race cars too. And I think that'd be, that'd be my, like the documentary would sort of be like a, a political stand against girls racing in Formula One. Would you tolerate like a classic pun, like off your name? So kind of like no popped tire could stop her kind of thing. And then I write that. Yeah. I write that. that. The photo from the back of the car with the burst tire, but the checkered flag wave. Yeah. Or like find a penny, something like that. You know, like find a penny, pick it up. Yeah. Nice. That kind of thing. So then maybe, maybe something along those lines. I quite like that, but I definitely think the photo would, the photo would have to be like from the back of the car, popped tire but like checkered flag and me, like you can just see my little like, hand out the top of the thing yeah. being like, yeah. <laughs> now <laughs> the other thing we love to explore, and this is where feel free to be as ludicrous as you like. <laughs> you're an F1 champion. You're an Australian icon. But the real big thing that everyone forgets is when you leave sports, not everybody has that kind of Michael Jordan uh, bank account. <laughs> so how do you sustain potentially a very absurd lifestyle? Because Formula One people lead. Very crazy lifestyles. I'd need to live in Monaco for the tax break, probably. Exactly. Yep. So how do, how do you keep the poppy brand going and how do you bring your money into your empire as you grow older? Well, there's a couple of, there'd be a couple of things. I would probably like to get into um, some kind of, not foundation, but some kind of work into like getting women into racing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to work a little bit, train, help train and, and encourage more women to do to do F1 driving and there's no reason why women shouldn't be F1 driving. Um, and I'd probably also like to be on a on a team, either own a team, direct a team or um, manage a pit wall. Um, if I've got that kind of intricate knowledge that I can be a world champion and win Monaco, I could probably sit on a pit wall and tell someone to manage their tyres for three laps while that person doesn't listen. Um, and I think I would like to, I think that would be, I'd like to get into, te- in, into a team. If all things came full circle I'd like to get in and sort of be be part of the upper echelons of the racing point team the point the team that gave me my name and gave me my chance um or start my own team where I really champion women as as um as f1 as f1 drivers so I think something like something working in the sort of upper echelons of f1 but you know still keeping a finger on the pulse of like the up-and-coming drivers and that sort of thing now, do you do any shameless uh, product advertising and hustle? Definitely, yes. Oh, <laughs> lots products? of those. Lots of those. It wouldn't even matter. Like I'd pretty much, for the money, I'd pretty much advertise just about anything. <laughs> yeah. much, like I'd draw the line at certain things. But like give me a give me a perfume. I'll I'll sell that. Well, if Shane Warne can get a perfume and VB. If VB can get a perfume, 
I can get a perfume. Would you be on the auto-tune ads? <laughs> Ooh. If I was like in if if I was not one of the girls in the bikini, then yeah. Yes. So yeah. Cause I think they are the echelon of absolute oh. You're you're done when you're on an auto-tune ad, aren't you? Like you're really looking for a lake back into the industry and that's all you've been able to get. Yeah. I'd like I'd like to do an Uber Eats ad. Oh yeah, like the yeah, where you're sort of sitting with another celebrity deciding what yeah. to order. Yeah, yeah, like me and Kim Kardashian or me and I'd probably rather Sharon Streslakey. Yeah. But I'd like to do like a, an ad like that. I would I would definitely sell out and do one of those like classic like I'd have to do a car. I'd have to do a yeah. car ad, like and it'd probably be for Mercedes because they provide the engines. And I'd be okay with that if they wanted to give me a Mercedes to drive around in. That would be all right. I think it's, just the, per- it's just the perk of being in F1. You just that's just how it rolls. Yeah. You just drive a good car all the time. I think we had Aaron uh, doing one of those cheesy ads where it was like raining and he comes out in a suit and you don't really know what the <laughs> ad's about. And then he sort of hand, gets handed the keys to his car and luckily his brand new black Mercedes can get it through the <laughs> stormy weather in some European township. Yeah, I just had yeah. to leverage that. That I just wanted the good car, so I just made it yeah. <laughs> to create a way to get it. You've been the secret <laughs> to that, stranded somewhere and saved by your half a million dollar <laughs> Mercedes. Yeah. Cool. Would be like, well, I can do the saving. I'll save somebody else in my half a million dollar black Mercedes while I'm in like a ball gown with my hair done, being like, I just woke up. <laughs> Come on, let's go. We'll be late. Um, or there's those ads at the moment um, where for Heineken Zero, yeah. they've got um, F1 drivers doing those ads at the moment where they're like drinking. They're like, oh, no, I can't. I'm driving. And then they're drinking the Heineken Zero. Yeah, I'd do those for sure, yeah, except can. not for Heineken. I'm not a fan. But I'd, I'd do like. I'd, I'd, I'd advertise, I'm a fan of gin. I'd advertise gin. That'd be fine. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking of sponsorships that I would like. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, all their, it's all their perks. Like, it's just that I would like free products from. Yeah, so I would like that. Maybe like a luxury clothing brand would be nice. Yeah. I'd like, I do need a new watch. So like maybe, like I feel like all those rich people do like watch adverts. You've got to deal with tag. Um, you're in. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like. Well, yeah, that's obviously the sponsor. that's the big sponsor for the timing. Um, yeah, definitely. I probably yeah, new car would be handy. Um, and yeah, that, like that probably covers it. And then maybe just like a random food product, <laughs> like Zambrero. I do I do a Zambrero dad, just to like, just so that like in touch with the common man, you know. Yeah, burritos comes all the way full yeah. circle. Yeah, we come full circle. I love burritos. <laughs> Started out craving it in a country town, and then by the end, you're on Zambrero billboards all around the world. That's right. I'm visit. I'm visiting Mexico, the home of the burrito. Would they? Na- you know? Would they name a a food after you? Like, would they create a dish that has a, a reference to yourself? I'd hope so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would be in the contract. I'd expect that. Yeah, so at the very least, if they don't rename the company, I expect at least some dish to be named after me. So basically, what you're telling us is. The offices where your management team look after your brand and your legacy. Essentially, the one rule is for any advertiser, here's the dollar total. Well, yeah. you're welcome in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If I'm like, if I finished racing and I'm washed up, like, I'm going to need the cash. Yeah. I got to live in Monaco somehow. Cash and perks. Yeah, cash and perks. That's what else do you do it for? Right. You know, private jet fuel is only going to get more and more expensive. <laughs> exactly. And you can't That's take right. a car to Switzerland. You need to fly. No, you get it. Yeah. You have to fly back to like Sue or Optus now every, well, every fortnight. Yes. 
Well, yeah, I'm going to need a jet for that. Absolutely. So, you know, but I'll, I'll probably just get a helicopter, land in the middle, and then they just sort of escort me to my seat, you know, in the, in the box with Nat 5. <laughs> Do you think one of your side ventures, if you just have, I mean, you have some sort of side, you're on the board of Frio as well somehow? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I'd be the just number one to get hold up. Yeah, yeah, number that, one to get hold up. classic one. That's like a um, – that's like a, a, I'll never get there, but it's a total bucket list thing to be the number one ticket holder of a sporting club. I'm trying to like rally the local clubs here to be like, could I be the number one ticket holder of the Wagga Tigers? <laughs> and they're like, I can't really do that. I'm like, oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> what I'd ask. That's awesome. That's uh, that's a great story. Great legacy. I love it. <laughs> Very original. We really appreciate it. Um, it's my dream. It'll never happen. I'm a terrible driver. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I dream of being in Formula One. Well, I think mine was a a hundred meter sprinter or something. So that is literally the furthest achievable goal for me in a sporting field. Yeah, I'm not I'm not (laughs) sure yet I've seen you run a hundred meters total. I am I think I am the equivalent of a Renault engine in a hundred meter sprint. Break down at the sixty meter line. That's right. That's what Renault does. I'm glad Dan's leaving. Clasp, uh, sort of grasp for a Ventolin, even though I don't even have asthma, but I'm looking for anything <laughs> to ease the pain. Uh, Fair. All right. Well, Poppy, look, that's the conscious of time, but look, we really appreci- uh, appreciate you coming on the show. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Right, thanks again, Poppy. Power to the Frio people out there. We need more. Yes. There are plenty of seats on the bandwagon if anyone wants to hop on. Yes. <laughs> the going rate is free, unlike your, yeah. unlike your advertising rates for your brand and legacy when you finish up in Formula One. Certainly not free. I'd, I'd, I'd volunteer to be on the board of Fremantle. They wouldn't have to pay me. That's a love job. Yeah. Well, that's good. To know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening in. As always, you can find us uh, at Sidelines Media on Instagram and Facebook and all those other things. Uh, also, head to the sidelines.com.au. We're on every podcast platform. We're now on YouTube. Um, as a big explosion in views on our YouTube channel from the episode the other day is shown, that's going really well. So, thanks to everyone for getting involved in that. AP, thanks, buddy. Oh, thanks, Kuro. Thanks, Bobby. No worries. Take care, everybody.